The Athletic. OG Football Show European Edition. Today, Ligue 1 upset. PSG fought Delors and Delors won. But what awaits Wednesday when they take on Real Madrid? Champions League, Inter at Anfield, Ferris Bayern's day off, the worst team in Europe and the best Englishman perhaps, ever in Serie A. All that and more coming up in this Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. <laughs> Boom, we're back. Listen, so are you actually, crucially. That's an interesting kind of existential question. If the listener hadn't returned, would would this be happening? I don't know. Clearly, because we've got here to do it. So, Yeah, but if no one's there to hear it. Anyway, that's James Horncastle. Hello. Also with him, we've got Alvaro Romeo. Hello, guys. All right, Julian Laurent's with us. Bonjour. And Christophe Biermann's with us from the start today. Christophe. Wouldn't talk. Well, indeed. Well, indeed. Christoph, just to paint a picture of you, listener, is in front of a quite extraordinary... In fact, if you imagine the kind of library that you think Christoph would have behind him, that's what he's got. I mean, it's rammed. And not just, you know, Encyclopedia Britannica neatly arranged. I mean, those are books that have been thumbed through. It's, it's much, be- much better than the Raphael Honigstein's bookcase, ah. which yeah. is usually just exposed to brick and then books he's written himself. So oh, yeah. Yeah, that's where they all ended up. Yeah. <laughs> My impression is that that people tend to be uh, to get the feeling of intimidation by this bookshelf sometimes. So no, uh, not you, not you, but but but, but others. Uh, it's like, oh, you've got so many books. Like, what's wrong with you? Or should I have more? Or whatever. Hmm. So um, hopefully uh, one day we, we don't hang around too much on Zoom anymore and well, uh, people have to think about bookshelves. Well, I, I hear what you're saying. What's on your bookshelf? <laughs> Can I just you know, conclude our it, bookshelf? It, that's all football books. Okay, wow. That's all football books, yes. Crikey. All right. There are m- many more, but 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 I don't, <laughs> I, I don't want to increase the intimidation. No, nope, indeed not. <laughs> Indeed not. Excellent. Well, we've got a lot to discuss today, including Champions League and lots of other things as well. But we like to begin, Christoph, with a moment of the weekend from everybody in association with our friends at Paddy Power. Perhaps you'd like to lead us off with your moment of the weekend. Uh, my moment of the uh, weekend is connected with the um, winning goal of uh, Stuttgart against Borussia Mönchengladbach. Um, they were 2-0 down and were winning uh, in the end 3-2 after a goal from Zasa Kalajic. And um, they had nine games without a win. And their last win was on the 11th of December. So it was a long time for them to uh, to get... To, to tell you stories that you're maybe not as bad as you think and that you're unlucky, but then it's week in, week out, and you only get a draw here and a defeat there. And it was, in fact, a fantastic performance by Stuttgart. So, so it was actually the game everybody was waiting for in Stuttgart, turning um, turning it round and, and and so on. And afterwards, and that is is, is more of the moment of the weekend. Mm. I, I was talking to Thomas Hitzelsberger, who is the uh, CEO of uh, Stuttgart now, and he said, 
you you won't believe it. It feels so good. It feels as as if you've won the championship. And and the thing is, uh, I mean, he is no he knows what he's talking about because he has actually won the German championship in two thousand seven with Stuttgart as a player. And 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 when they were winning, he was scoring. In the in the decisive game, he was scoring a decisive hammer goal, uh, hits the hammer goal, and uh, so uh, he was actually uh, deeply moved by what was going on in Stuttgart, and I think a lot of the Stuttgart people felt the same. So that was very much my moment of the weekend. That was the entire weekend, actually, by the sound of it, Chris. Encyclopedic. <laughs> Jules, what stood out for you? Uh, it has to be, as you mentioned already in your intro, uh, Nice and Christophe Galtier doing again against PSG. Guiri, no, he's going to the second potent! Delors! Andy Delors! La demi-volée! Tout seul! Pleine lucarne! Andy Delors! He has the winning recipe, or certainly the not losing recipe, when it comes to playing the Parisians. And Nice and Galtier did it again. They won 1 0 right at the end in what was um, not the best of games, let's put it that way, especially from PSG. No, uh, no Mbappé. Mm. No. No Kylian Mbappé. Mm. All right, we'll talk more about PSG much more soon enough. Alvaro, your moment of the weekend? Yeah, I could go with Cadiz winning at home for the first time since May, but I think that I'm going to stick to an individual. Here, Joao Felix, he scored twice in the win of Atletico, Atletico against Betis. And it was a very meaningful win because now Atletico is fourth at the expense of Betis. But not only Joao Felix scored uh, two goals, but after the game he embraced a motto that Simeone himself could have uh, aconist. Uh, he said, we have to tighten our ass to win the game. And probably Simeone was not only proud about the two goals of Joao Felix, but about the the cholismo that Joao Felix exuded, mm. at least for a sentence. All right. Crikey. And James, follow that. Well, I know you are sceptical <laughs> about this, James, but I am going to follow it. Now, when Tammy Abraham scored his 20th goal of the season in all competitions for Roma at the weekend, in a win against Atalanta, fans in the Curva Sud claimed to see a comet pass over the Stadio Olimpico. <laughs> now... You said that's not a comet. It's flying too low. So what could it be? Could it be a UFO? I mean, we have seen UFOs at Serie A games before, famously mm. in the 1950s, mm. Fiorentina Pistoiese. So we don't know what it is, but the truth is out there, James. All right. Fiorentina Pistoiese, that, that was the game. It's not that they were so shocked by what they saw that, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is, it's a bizarre video that you showed me of this a luminous object traversing the sky above the Stadio Olimpico. To me, it doesn't seem comet-like, not not for me. But I, there isn't another explanation out there. Let's, I don't know, unless, listener, you have one. I anyway. Jose Mourinho now has two wins in a row. And, mm. I mean, probably the last time that happened, a comet flew over um, <laughs> possibly, whatever stadium. Possibly so. Possibly so. All right, well, uh, much to discuss, as I say. We're going to kick things off with the Champions League. The Totally Football Show European Edition's Moment of the Weekend. Brought to you by Paddy Power. If one leg of your 4 plus fold acker lets you down, get a free bet on all football leagues and all markets. Max free bet £10, minimum odds 1 to 5 per leg. Online exclusive, no shop bets. T's and C's apply. Plus be gambleaware.org. Tuesday, Champions League sees Liverpool facing Inter at Anfield. They're 2-0 up from the first leg, while Bayern hosts Salzburg 1-1 from the game in Salzburg. Wednesday, Real Madrid, Paris Saint-Germain. Parry. 
with the one-goal lead. And for fans of Jeopardy, why not tune into Man City Sporting? Just the 5-0 <laughs> lead for Man City there. We start with Tuesday's games. Liverpool uh, Inter, James Horncastle. Only one team in Champions League history has ever come back from a two-goal deficit in the first leg at home to advance. Do you know who it was? Anybody? Jules? And, uh, no, I don't. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jules. Such a... <laughs> <laughs> it was um, Manchester United in 2018-19. Uh, but anyway, is that going to happen Signed this time? Sign the thing. Mm. The Ole Gunnar Solskjaer Sign game. Sign that thing. That thing, yeah. So uh, is that going to happen this time? What do you think, James? Well, I'm curious about the uh, statistics on this because Klopp has just done his press conference as we speak and he said 2-0 is the most dangerous scoreline. Um, and we know that our friend Raphael Honigstein would push back quite strongly uh, against that. I don't think he believed there was a statistical grounding for it. I can't remember exactly what um, what it is. But um, is it going to happen? Look, Inter have nothing to lose. They are champions of Italy. They did just score five goals, albeit against the bottom of the table, Salernitana. I think it was encouraging that the strikers who didn't take chances in the first leg did score um, mm. on Friday night. Lautaro Martinez scored a hat-trick. Edin Dzeko scored a brace. The problem that Inter have is Nicola Barella, their leading assist provider, and the guy who's really replaced Lukaku in Lautaro's eyes is the guy who gets the most out of him. He is still suspended. And how costly that kind of rash reaction he had against Edemiletao was in that final inconsequential game against Real Madrid on match day six uh, is proving now to be. But yeah, Inter also playing against a certain team called Liverpool at Anfield, where... Mm. Liverpool haven't lost since March last year, more than a year, when they lost to Fulham. Uh, the last Italian side, what, the last t- side in the Champions League to beat them was 18 months ago. That was Atalanta uh, at Anfield. But again, it was a group stage game in which I think Liverpool had already secured passage to the knockout stages. So it will be very challenging and it will have to be a, a truly epic night uh, in mm. the history of Inter for them to, to overcome Liverpool. All right, you, you've just been talking to Inter ahead of this game, no? There was a, a message, I imagine, of positivity. Anything specific they were saying? Well, I got to speak to Alessandro Bastoni, um, their young centre-back, into Italy international, who was part of their Euro-winning squad um, and will succeed Chiellini and, and Bonucci in a, in a year or so's time. And what struck me about Bastoni was how he was really looking forward to the game. You know, he was saying, never played in a round of 16 before. It's, it's new to us, but that's exciting. Uh, can't wait to play at Anfield. Already played against Salah, obviously, in the first leg, but I've played against Vinicius. I've played against Benzema as well. So, you know, I, I, I really look forward to kind of measuring myself. And he seemed confident. I, I think, and that confidence isn't necessarily from this belief that they can, they can qualify, but confident that that they've got nothing to lose. So mm. why not go for it? And yeah, his attitude was was striking. I was, uh, I, I made this mistake before the first leg of saying that Inter were the underdogs on, on BBC Five Live and Ashley Young, the former Inter player, was, was there. And he was like, Inter will not see themselves as underdogs. They are champions of Italy. And you can see that, yeah, it, it is a group of winners. Um, so yeah, look, do I expect them to go through? I think it's improbable, but uh, they played very well for 70 minutes in the first leg. 
they could have easily been in the lead before Liverpool scored with their first shot on target. Uh, remember Chalinolu hit at the bottom of the bar. Skriniar had a chance from a corner, which was very similar from the one that Liverpool scored their goal. So I do think they have actually drawn some confidence from that. So hopefully we get a, a very good game. Hmm. All right, they, they might win this game. The, the idea of them going through, particularly without Barella, whose return made such a difference against, admittedly, bottom of the table, Salernitana. It does seem like a bit of a long shot. Well, uh, we'll hear more about Inter, who briefly retook the lead in Serie A with that 5-0 win over Sassuolo, but then lost it again on Sunday night. We'll talk more about the Serie A title race later on, but also on Tuesday night, FC Bayern against Red Bull Salzburg. Christoph, uh, about a month ago, do you remember when uh, FC Bayern went to promoted Borkum? Of course you do, and lost... <laughs> 4-2, and you said, yes, yeah, sometimes Bayern can take a day off. Since then, they've been a little bit on, I'm not sure if it's a sabbatical exactly or, or lockdown furlough <laughs> measures or, or what. We're getting a lot of these results. They had a draw with Red Bull in, in the Champions League. They beat Grotefurt. They had a narrow win over Frankfurt. And this weekend, another draw at home to Bayer Leverkusen. Sometimes they take full days off, like mm. in, in Bochum. Uh, sometimes they switch off during uh, matches, like they did against Leverkusen. They had tremendous uh, first 30 minutes. Um, then they uh, got the equaliser from the first own goal in the career of Thomas Müller. Bereit, mit links, wie gesagt, Richtung Tor. Ulle und dann das Eigentor. Dann das Eigentor. Ole hätte in der hat die Kommunikation nicht gestimmt. And after that they were like for 15 minutes or so until the halftime break they had a lot of problems by Leverkusen had many chances to to score a second goal and in in the in in the second half it was okay again and and that's something especially before the before the before the match against Salzburg and probably the ongoing matches or coming matches in the next rounds of the Champions League is how often do they switch off in, in, in big games? And um, because they can do it in the Bundesliga. It's, it's, uh, I mean, they still have a, have a big lead and no, nobody expects them to, uh, to throw it away. But in the Champions League, you, you can't do that. And Julian Nagelsmann was saying, yeah, we shouldn't always talk about the end of the world uh, when we have bad moments and we, don't, we shouldn't paint it too black and blah 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 and uh, but I think there is this feeling of doubt maybe creeping in that this season they might not be uh, up to the top really. Yeah only two wins though in their last five in all competitions which is unusual even for a team that might lose concentration from time to time. Is it anything to do with Sven Ulreich being in goal instead of Manuel Neuer? Are there other issues? I think when, when we talk about the Bundesliga, maybe it's it's uh, because there is, is not enough pressure coming from the competitors. Um, maybe uh, it's easier to, to take a day off uh, than usually. But when we look at the last years, they didn't have it. I mean, they were, they were 10, 11, 12 points clear of the second and they, their performance was still terrific. And um, yes, Manuel Neuer's absent may, may uh, play a role. Um, also, 
Leon Goretzka is playing, uh, is missing for quite a while. Alfonso Davis is not in. So there are some serious options for Julian Nagelsmann not there. Uh, Tolisso will be out also against uh, Salzburg. But but I, I think they are soul-searching uh, themselves a bit. I mean, uh, they I think they they don't know actually uh, what, what the problem is. And to what extent it is a problem and um, but maybe we already see it tomorrow against mm. Salzburg it's still Bayern for me is a huge favorite but 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 right well they have Lewandowski he was quiet in the first leg but that was only his second game in which he's failed to score in his last seven in the Champions League he's on nine goals for the competition anyway so that's a pretty useful uh, uh, weapon to have up your sleeve as for Red Bull Matthias, uh, sorry, I, I want to pronounce his name correctly. Their manager's name, Christoph. Matthias Jaisler. That's right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> they, they, I, I saw that he was posting record numbers. Bayern, of course, are favourites. But after that 1-1 draw, which it took a late Kingsley Coman equaliser in, in, in the first leg, we could see a major upset here, no? Yeah, I, I, they, um, I mean, they had, they, they had the equaliser pretty late in in the game in 90th minute or so but but it was fully deserved uh luckily they 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 got a, a draw or so no uh they they were especially in the second half they were uh, putting Salzburg immensely under pressure so that was a okay performance but already there in Salzburg they they took some time off Mm. If I wanted to watch an upset this Tuesday, Alvaro, which game should I watch? The Anfield game or the Munich <laughs> match? It is unlikely that Salzburg is going to knock out Bayern. I sure. really do. But, but uh, of course, I, well, which I is less about, likely? I think that Inter beating Liverpool is uh, as unlikely as Salzburg beating Bayern, in my opinion. I, I, cannot, I cannot really put them in an order. I think that both okay. are very unlikely. But what I wanted to say is that Bayern were scoring a lot of goals this season. And this is something that worries me a little bit. They scored only nine in the, in the last five games. And uh, in the previous five, they had scored 16. I think that there is a pattern in there. And Bayern played this weekend with uh, Musiala, with uh, Coman, with Müller, with Lewandowski. I think that the other striker was Nabri, even though I'm not too sure. And yet they only scored one goal. And this is not very normal in Bayern. We are all used to seeing Bayern making mistakes defensively, especially if Neuer is not there with Ulreich, uh, Ulreich uh, in goal. But them not scoring so many goals is something new, that they have uh, stopped scoring so many goals. Yeah, and when you, uh, when you look at the numbers, um, so when you look at, for example, at the expected goals they had against uh, Leverkusen, I think it was 1.9 or so. Uh, so they, they could have won more, but, but they, their numbers were higher in the, in the previous matches. Uh, that's, that's very true. But 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 still, I mean, is this a pattern? Is a sample size too small? We we have to see. The the match tomorrow could be more interesting than a lot of people expect. Mm. All right, excellent. That's Tuesday evening. While we have you on, uh, Christoph, should mention Hoffenheim moving into the top four. Although it's very tight there with RB Leipzig and Freiburg, three teams separated by just two points. But down the other end, Hertha Berlin continue their disastrous season. They are now third. Uh, from bottom, so in the relegation playoff spot, a 4-1 defeat 
at home to Eintracht Frankfurt this weekend. That's their fourth loss in a row. And I see that there was a table published in Germany on Sunday morning, which effectively says that they are the least successful team in all of Europe's top five leagues, Hertha. Is that so? Yeah. They, they, they look like, I, I can tell you, they look like. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, right now they, they, they by far the worst team in, in the Bundesliga. So when you look at, at, at the form of, of the team. So we talked about uh, Stuttgart playing an excellent match and also Fürth who are doomed to go down. But they, they play very solid uh, football over the last weeks and... Um, and but Hertha has completely lost the plot. So, um, so a lot of people are expecting that they change their manager again. Um, Typhoon Korkut is now in in charge. But um, I think we have to talk about them in, in in weeks to come. Okay. All right. While we while we still have the chance, Hertha, who <laughs> whose new ownership had uh, announced bold plans to get into the Champions League within five years, all that kind of Blackburn Rovers esque. Uh, posturing and instead they're heading in a very different direction yeah last nine games two points one and a goal difference of minus 18 the least successful side in all of Europe's top five leagues over that period all right well Christoph many thanks for joining us today next up we move on to ooh, Wednesday's Champions League action ooh. so Mr Raniak what's troubling you well we've got a, a leak in the dressing room doctor Right, and you want to find out who it is? No, no, I just can't find a good plumber. Sometimes there's only so much you can do. But with Paddy Power, our offers are watertight. So this weekend, get money back as a free bet if one leg of your 4 plus 4 bet builder lets you down. Paddy Power! Pre-match online bet builder bets only. Min odds 1 to 5 per leg. Max free bet £10 per day. 7-day free bet expiry. Excludes enhanced match odds. Eligibility restrictions and T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Wednesday, Real Madrid taking on Paris Saint-Germain. It's a big one, this Paris Saint-Germain. 1-0 up, of course, from the first leg. Do, do PSG have any history with being ahead against Spanish sides? And checks notes. I'm sure there was something. <laughs> Can't find anything either. Can't remember. Sorry. They just bought all their players, though, didn't they? That's how uh, they reacted. They said, we'll take I, your best players. That's what we do. That's what we do. Well, it might happen to you. It might happen to you, Jules, because, of course, it was Kylian Mbappé who made the difference in the first leg with that brilliant run, or at least I thought it was brilliant. That's interesting. You thought it was actually fairly ordinary. But no, it was good. It was, it was good. And, of yeah, course, a lot of people good. are predicting that he will be in Madrid come next season. Will he be in Madrid, though, this Wednesday? Because there's a late injury scare, Jules. Very late and very big scare. 
because he got injured this morning at training, which is so typical. I, you know, you English people have the uh, Spursy expression. I, th- I feel like in French, we need to have a similar one for PSG because it seems like they have this history of before big games, especially in the Champions League, well, very often in the Champions League, having these kind of issues. Remember last season, Kylian got injured before the second leg against Manchester City away in Manchester. He was in the stands, but clearly not ready and not capable of playing. So he sat next to me behind closed doors, literally the, the seat next to me. Oh, the yeah. whole game and, and watched, yeah, watched his team lose. Yeah, I know. I have to ask you how, did you, how was that for you? Was it a bit uncomfortable because you were sat next to Killian and you, on one hand you wanted to talk to him, but on the other hand you didn't want to disturb him? Or was he, he worst, always pestering you for your opinion? Or how did it work? No, the worst was I was the pitch side reporter for French TV. So ah. everything I was saying, Yes. All the PSG bench could, could hear. So if yeah. I was saying like, "Oh, Kylian's mum is fat and ugly," which she isn't, by the way, I just want yeah. to put that out. Right. He would have. He would have heard. He was literally like, I don't know, like literally the seat next to me. Right. So I felt a bit like, come on, you can't say any BS or anything wrong. You right. don't be on your be at your best. Normally, you would just say whatever came into your head, but on this occasion, yeah, you know, we talk about Kylian's mum and stuff like that. Not this time. Not this time. Not this time. It's just a hip flexor, surely. It's part of his contract. He won't appear in the game. Yeah, he's in Portugal right now. So maybe there's something uh, with hips lately. Uh, Hips don't lie, as obviously Shakira would say. uh, (laughs) Maybe these ones do, though. We don't know. Maybe maybe those (laughs) hips lie. Who knows, eh? In this case, it's more of a foot problem. Uh, Right. But the MRI says it's not broken, which I guess... (laughs) Is a positive in the situation, but it looks that it looks quite pessimistic now. And I think without Kilian, as we will see when we analyze the Nice defeats at the okay. weekend, it's a very, very, very different team. Well, that was your opinion. It was also the opinion of Christophe Gutier, the Nice manager, that there's two PSGs, one with Kilian and one one without. The one 0 defeat, yet another of the successes that Gutier has had over PSG, as you say. Uh, James was saying that you rang him up irate early on Sunday morning at yeah. uh, irate at PSG's performance. Why, yeah. why were you berating I mean, he James for that? He provokes me all the time because he, he texts and says, like, poach out. And I was like, I don't, <laughs> I don't need his message. I already am fuming already. Right. And I just think like we go back to the same thing. Yeah, the first leg was really good against Madrid, mm. helped by the fact that, his, that Carlo got a lot of his tactics wrong and Benzema was not fully fit and all of that. But apart from that game, the rest has been so average from a PhD point of view, from Pochettino in why he's trying to build. I'm not even sure he's trying. For whatever he's doing, it's just, it's not happening. And Saturday night was bad, like mm. really bad. How bad? I mean, not just Gini Wijnaldum, who touched the ball nine times in the first half, 28 times in total, which is an absolute shocker. But as a, as a collective, it was just so poor. Jules, why doesn't this impact all these reports that, you know, United want Pochettino. Have United not been following what Pochettino has been doing or do they not even care? Yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. We, we Remember we had that debate back in the fall when there were all those big rumours, more than rumours, about him going to United when Solskjaer mm. has just been signed before Rangnick was, was appointed. And a lot of people were saying, but like, don't, don't the United hierarchy, I mean, Woodward was still there at the time, Richard Arnold, John Murtaugh, the Glazers, everybody, don't, they don't have BT or Canal Plus or Beans, like, you know, Amazon. Mm, right. They can't, can't they, are they not watching the PhD but, game? Because um, if they were... No, no, but isn't there a Thomas Tuchel kind of factor in this? I mean, he was... Uh, they were playing better. They were it playing better, but team. 
But the, I think the if you, if you can have Thomas Tuchel, who's done so wonderfully at Chelsea, true, struggling at PSG and even getting fired by the club, it kind of makes you feel that maybe the issue isn't the manager, you know? Yeah, but, yeah, completely. Mm. And there's a and that's a valid point too. And I and I, I know that Poch and Poch's people are saying to United or said to United or will say to United, it's not our fault. He's the club. It's impossible to manage that dressing room. It's it's a club full of politics, which is all true. United it's is so true. well yeah. run. United have exactly. no parallels with this situation. <laughs> exactly, but but it seems that his stake is still really high. So good for him. Right. I don't I don't want to wish him bad. I'm just saying I'm disappointed by what he's doing so far in Paris. That's all. Okay. Well, uh, what do you think about Wednesday night? Are you expecting a big game from Leo Messi? Are you expecting him to really unleash his full messiness on this? Possibly his his yeah. last really big game of the season, especially huh? now. The problem it's not so much especially now. No, the problem is he has become a a creator. He's always been a great creator, of course, but he was a great creator and an incredible strike, a finisher, if you want, before. Now the finish bit has gone because he's not as good as he used to be and he's certainly not as quick on the first five or ten yards than he used to be. And he doesn't dribble as much as, and as well as he used to be. So he's become far more of a creator than he used to. The problem is, if Mbappe is not there, no one runs, no one has the ball in behind, no one... So there's... All those calls are not there. If you look at the game against Atletico, for example, where he gives those two amazing assists to Mbappe, all the movement comes from Leo and Mbappe together. The other nine players or eight outfield players are just not moving or not much mm. moving. So if if you take Mbappe out of the equation, Messi is gonna is gonna put his head up and sees the game like nobody else, literally as a chase game. But if no one's moving, and that was the problem against Nice, is that everything was in feet. Neymar wanted the ball in his feet. And Messi wanted the ball in his feet. Di Maria wanted the ball in his feet, apart from the, the chance he had in the first half and the half one he had in the second half. So if there's no movement, Messi, as great as he is still, mm. I just fear he won't have enough impact on the game. It's really worrying if Kylian doesn't play. It, would, you, would you even, if you were picking the team, Jules, if you were managing PSG for Wednesday's game, would you have Messi in the side, given the tactics that you might want to use? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's you still would. amazing. It's yeah. amazing. It's just his game has evolved, but, but it's normal. It's just, it's just. I think it's the natural evolution of his game at 34 years old, and and in a team that is not really functioning properly, and and when he's not as amazing as he was for all those years. So, mm. of course, you have to start him. I mean, he's he's your only hope, really, with Neymar to a certain extent, and then being strong defensively and try not to concede, because if Kylian cannot start and he looks. It looks like he might, he could be in the squad, but not fit enough to start. Maybe then it's going to be very, very complicated for them. The thing, James, is that Messi is a victim of his own standards as well. I believe, for example, that uh, you know he's been every possible good player in one. I mean, and uh, his uh, career cycle has been so long that he started uh, playing maybe like Garrincha, then he became someone like Maradona, then someone like Di Stefano, and now he's something more like uh, Lota Mataos, maybe Platini. I don't hmm. know. I don't know, a player that we would have rated a lot uh, on his own if he didn't have this past behind him. The thing right. that Lionel Messi at some point in 2012, 2015, around that time, he became all those four players, all those four legends that I mentioned together in one player. So he set some standards that they are unattainable, unattainable, unachievable for the man anymore. Alvaro, Real Madrid, meanwhile, who have exited the competition at this point in two of the last three 
additions and are a goal behind here. How confident are you about their prospects? They, they had a big win this weekend against Real Sociedad. I, I still have some belief in, uh, in Real Madrid. I know that they were very poor against PSG. Probably Ancelotti got it wrong, but uh, I, I want to praise PSG as well because I think that... Uh, they played very well a month ago against them. I think that one of the problems with Real Madrid is going to be very similar to the problem Ancelotti had uh, in the reverse fixture. There are a number of players who are not fit and Ancelotti could play them or not. I'm talking about Tony Cross, who is still kind of in the sidelines, but he could feature if Ancelotti considered that necessary. And he did the same thing with Benzema in the Parc de France, and that didn't work, uh, not only because Benzema didn't get a lot of balls, a lot of supply from the midfielders, but also because Benzema wasn't fully fit. I think that Ancelotti for this game should go for energy, for a more caffeinated team. I think that uh, against Real Sociedad, for example, with Camavinga in the team, mm. uh, you could see that, uh, you know, apart from scoring a, a good goal, and for all the flaws that Camavinga still has and Ancelotti refers to, he offers a lot of energy. And that is very good. And in a game against PSG, maybe you need players like Fede Valverde, like Camavinga. Not only they are fast, but only also they are like rapacious in the box. I mean, they are trying to shoot every time they can. But they also they track back. They do defensive runs when PSG has the counterattacks, if they have any. So I think that if Ancelotti goes for the energy, maybe this can shock PSG a little bit. Uh, Tony Cross, as I said. He could play, but he's right now unlikely to feature. Casemiro is out of the game. Uh, Ferland Mendy is a massive absentee for Real Madrid. So maybe Real Madrid will play with a makeshift midfielder of uh, Valverde, Camavinga, Modric, something like that. And I think that this could work in, the, in, in their favor, as strange as it sounds, because at least they, they will have a lot of energy. Real Madrid have lost nine of the last ten knockout games that they played when they lost the first leg. So that's me, that's me trying to be optimistic. All right. The only time I think was Wolfsburg. Wolfsburg in 2016 when Cristiano scored a hat-trick now on the second leg after losing 2-0 at home, 2-0 away the first leg or something like that. So mm. they don't do it often, but I guarantee they'll do it on Wednesday. Going to be quite a game. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're going to be tuning in for that one, James. What, how do you call it? What do you think? Well, I was very disappointed by Real Madrid in the first leg. Mm. Um, it's one of the most un-Real Madrid-like performances I think I've ever seen. Mm. In terms of, they played like a small team. They played like um, Alcorcón or something like that. You know, in terms of how they sat back, weren't even able to counter. I just think that would be unacceptable at the Bernabeu. So it has to be a completely different Real Madrid. I mean, if Kylian isn't playing, then they've got a chance. Uh, and it's just bizarre to say that, given that the opponent has Messi and Neymar. And I, I take the take the point that you know Messi is. Maybe no longer what he was, but this season, okay, at the Champions League, you know, he has delivered, but I don't think anyone expected this season at PSG to be so unproductive in terms of in terms of goals and assists. And I'm not being Lequipe there, giving him two out of ten, but I think I think even if he was a just a little bit off what he was at Barcelona, you know, we would be talking about a guy who's top of the league on scoring charts, scoring hat-tricks against Rants and you know, Mets and this sort of thing. And, okay, those those standards are on the table, but I, I expected more. Um, so it, in that case, you know, I mean, I wouldn't rule Madrid out. Um, so, yeah, let's see. Mm. This could be. This could be the game where he brings it, brings all it of that. It could be. It could be, because it's his last chance, I think, this season. I, I, I want to see, actually, uh, how he will play. Uh, Jules was explaining that, you know, Messi gets the ball, looks 
in front of him, and if Mbappé is doing the right run, he's passing the ball at him. Mm. But if Mbappé doesn't play, I wonder if this will make Messi assume more responsibilities. Maybe we see a less altruistic version of himself. I know that physically he cannot offer that anymore, but you know, if he's closer to the box, taking more shots, you know, I would like to see if Lionel Messi understands that maybe the scoring responsibility now will rely on him if Neymar is not at his best. It's a huge game. It's coming up on Wednesday. Ooh, it's not the only big game coming up on Wednesday in Europe. We've got a couple of Europa League matches. We'll check out the Europa League last 16 next. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You're listening to The Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. And with Paddy Power, if something doesn't go quite to plan, you can get your money back as a free bet if one leg of your bet builder lets you down. Which is excellent news for Everton fans when they make their Lampardian transition from serious to funny to serious once again. Pre-match bet builders only get your stake back as a free bet. Minimum four plus legs. Maximum free bet is £10. Excludes enhanced match odds. Online exclusives and T's and C's apply. Europa League last 16 features Leon. At Porto, not an easy place to go, Jules. Still, Leon are in form. They just had a 4-1 win over Lorient. Yeah, in form is a bit strong, James, because they, as we <laughs> say, almost every week in the sense yeah. that they're up and down. They've been up and down right. all season with Peter Bosch, capable of a really good performance like they did mm. on Friday, and they were really good. And then being abject the three days later in whatever other competition or, or game right. they play. Uh, and Porto, I don't think, have lost at home since... December mm. uh, in the Champions that was in the Champions League but since then I think it's 15 games in a row or something crazy so yeah. they look good against Pachos de Ferreira at the weekend 4-2 uh, four goals Evan yeah. Taremi I think this one is really going to be fascinating because Lyon on their day are, are really really good uh, mm-hmm. but when they're not good they're not good at all and you easily you easily create chances score goals you know all of that we've seen it We've seen it this season in Liga so many times. So it's a really hard one to call. I mean, the first leg, I think you go, you know, you go away um, uh, with the home side. But over the two legs, I, I do think that they've got really a decent chance of, of oh, yeah? doing this one. But again, you can't make any mistakes or anything like that. The other Europa League last 16 first leg on Wednesday is Real Betis against Eintracht Frankfurt, Christoph's. Eintracht Frankfurt. Why are there two games on Wednesday? What's going on there? Does anybody know? I think Sevilla and Betis cannot play a game in the ah. same day in the city. Yeah. Yeah. Right. For well, they could have had them home and away. Security no? reasons. I see. Yeah, okay. What about Real Betis? They got beat at the weekend. You mentioned this earlier, Alvaro, by Atletico. But they are still fighting in, what, three fronts? Good Lord. They're, they're yeah. through to the Copa del Rey final as well, aren't they? Which is they also are. in Seville. What's going on? They are, they are. And they, of course, and the Europa League final is in Sevilla. So, mm-hmm. you know, they've got plenty of fronts open up for them. In front of them, the season looks uh, succulent for them. Uh, I think that the, it's true that you can feel that the tiredness is looming a little bit. They are going to play this season around 15 more games than last season because they are going through far 
in every competition. I think that they suffered a little bit against the Zenit. Against Rayo Vallecano in the Spanish Cup in the semifinals, they were close to going into the extra time. Fortunately for them, they got uh, the throw and therefore the tire winning goal uh, in the last minute of the game. But yeah, generally speaking, Betis has been a very good team. They are entertaining. I've got doubts about their defenders. I think that Bartra and Victor Ruiz don't uh, play together very well. But then when it comes to attacking and creating football, they are one of the finest uh, teams in La Liga. Perfect. Jules? Can we talk about that photo of, um, of uh, Joaquin uh, when, the, when Betis won Copa del Rey? Was it 17 years ago or something when he was a young player? This just uh, and obviously clearly a lot of people in Spain were waiting for them to finally get to another final to pull out the photo again where he's completely naked with the trophy and clearly went swimming before because we, we can't see much. Oh, it's not Joaquin. <laughs> <laughs> no, not exactly. Not at all. Yeah, okay. that, that was well, a, a, small, that. a small anecdote, well, yeah. I'll right. put it in the group now so everybody can see or not see in this case or look right. for. Well, <laughs> yeah, I would describe that. I'm Jules has just shared the picture that. and I would describe that as very much a sporting Lisbon, as in not nothing to see really between the two legs. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, anyway. Uh, so were they, they're taking on Eintracht Frankfurt to try and keep this succulent season uh, going. Also... In the Europa League last 16, Atalanta against Bayer Leverkusen. Atalanta beaten at the weekend by Roma. A rotten run of form. Barcelona taking on Galatasaray. Rangers against Red Star. Severe against West Ham. Ooh. And, well, would have been Leipzig, but they are already through to the quarterfinals because they would have been up against Spartak Moscow, who have been rightly thrown out of the Europa League, uh, as have all Russian sides. Pick a game out of those that you'll be interested in on, on Thursday. What about Sevilla West Ham? Sevilla goalless at the weekend against Alaves, now eight points back from Real, so they're not going to win the title. Is it all on this game for Lopetegui? A little bit, yeah. I would say that. I think Sevilla, this, week we, this weekend, we got to know that Sevilla will probably not win the title and that the old guard is back. Because ah. Barcelona and Atletico, they are already in the Champions League positions. And Sevilla, I think that they are a victim of their own cautiousness. Uh, because I don't think that it's not in, in Lopetegui to go away and pursue a victory away in every ground. And this is exactly what Sevilla needs to win the league. So for this tier, I would say that if Sevilla doesn't wrap it up in the first leg, which is very difficult because this, they've got many players in the sidelines, then maybe West Ham has a big chance because Sevilla away from home they are too they calculate too much they play with a handbrake on they are constantly just thinking about not getting too carried away not attacking too much and I think that to win the Europa League in certain scenarios and the West Ham ground is one of them maybe you need to, to be a little bit more daring more daring because if you stay in your own box defending well West Ham has really dangerous players who can score so that could be a very bad business for Sevilla so they'd better do a good job in the first leg because otherwise they are going to suffer okay all right then James a game well I watched the extended highlights of Leverkusen against Bayern and I must say quite worried for Atalanta on the showing um, that Leverkusen put in particularly first half because you know were they not so profligate uh, in front of goal you know they could have won that game two or three one and they've got some very bright electric uh, forward players um, Adley in particular was was clearly in good form uh, at the weekend Florian Wirtz uh, is one of the most exciting talents you know to come out of Leverkusen um, they do keep creating them so you know even with Schick who's been out injured 
for a long time and would have been uh, perhaps uh, playing an Italian team he knows well. They look like a, an interesting proposition. Um, I think Gasparini in the Roma game at the weekend, you know, I mean, he he didn't play any strikers for an hour. Um, yeah, just played a team of midfield players. And, you know, I wonder if he did have um, Thursday's game in mind um, because I think there's still a belief that Atalanta can can do something in this competition um, with with Moriel, with Boga, with players like that. Um, so in some respects, kept his powder a little bit dry. Um, so I think, you know, I mean, if Atalanta play to their potential, um, which has been difficult in light of the injuries and the sales that they've had to make. I say had to make, they didn't have to make, but Gosens ultimately went in January. Then two very exciting teams, two teams that aren't known for defending particularly well, two teams that are known for scoring. Um, so, yeah, it could be a very exciting game. Nice one. Jules, let's not forget the Conference League. Yeah, the greatest club competition of all time with with really good clash. No, more seriously, uh, Leicester oh, yeah. against Rennes, I think, would be great because certainly on the French side, they they are in good form. They're scoring a lot of goals. They're a very entertaining team to watch, and the way they play, the, their counter press especially has been very very efficient. One of the best in Europe this season, and and yeah, I think it's it's a really good test for for Leicester. Really, really good. And if if I was Brendan Rodgers, which I'm not, of course, I'm, I'm much taller. And and the Leicester teamers in general, I'd be I'd be I'd be really really like, okay, let's take this one seriously because mm. it's a, it would be a tough game for them over the two legs. They might still go through because they very talented, but the way Leicester have been defending, uh, even against Leeds on Saturday, even if they they, they won one nil and kept a clean sheet, this 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 Ren team can hurt you really really quickly. So it'd be it'd be a really good game. Jules, so so sizest today. Joaquin, Brendan Rodgers. I feel strong, I feel tall, I feel good, I feel good. Good for you, Charles. (laughs) Very shortly, we'll hear a little bit more about what's going on in Ligue 1, La Liga and Serie A with that extraordinary title race. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Jules, Nice are now second after that win over Paris Saint-Germain and Marseille losing third game in a row. They failed to win. They've only picked up one point in that time, Marseille. Monaco beating them this time in that uh, South Coast derby. Ooh, crikey, Marseille have only won one of their last six home games. What are the fans doing about that? Yeah, they were not happy. 56,000 of them at the Velodrome on, on Sunday night with rivalry, as you said. So the atmosphere was, was really, really good. They've dropped 22 points at the Velodrome this season. And we're like, they still have, I think, uh, seven games to play or something like that at home. It's ridiculous. I think it's the worst by far of the, you know, the, the teams at the top of each of the big five leagues, really. The, dropping 22 at home is ridiculous. They're not clicking. They they can't sustain the, the good level. So they played a really good first half, for example, on Sunday night. Really good, even if they didn't really create big chances, but they had a lot of the ball. 
uh, and really were in control. And then the second half, they disappeared completely. They, they stopped working together and Sampaoli could not find any answers. Uh, and, and Monaco, in fairness, on the second half, deserved to win. Benyeda was great. Jason Martin scored the goal. And Van der Sen, the, the young right back who arrived from Brazil in January, looked really, really good for such a young player. So well done, Monaco. But for Marseille, there's, there's clearly something missing. And maybe, maybe, is the mm-hmm. fact that Frank McCourt, the owner, was, was in town. Mm-hmm. from the US and clearly he should not because every time he's there they lose or they draw so it's clearly the, the jinx I see down the other end of the table meanwhile paradoxically ass is no longer bottom they're on a good run as well I think they're, mm-hmm. they're unbeaten in the last six or something well, they lost to yeah they're out of the relegation that, zone Pascal Duprat doing a great job really mm-hmm. since taking over uh, of all the four teams that have changed managers so far this season he's the one doing the best they, they've, they've got belief they play well they're strong collectively uh, with their back five and, and they get results when in you know when when it matters the most so in those big games like this weekend it was mm. them against Mets so it was like 16th against 17th or 17th against 18th something like that they, it's the game that they had to win at home and they did so if they keep going like this they're going to be okay but it's still very very tight at the bottom for us mm. Alright Bordeaux now the bottom of the pile after getting beaten 2-0 at home by Trois Crikey yeah, They're in big trouble mm. Alvaro. Really bad. James, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm loving uh, a player that I didn't know a lot about. Amin Guiri, is his name? Uh, from yeah. Nice. I mean, uh, against Versailles. He is one of the most beautiful uh, showboats before giving an assist last week. And then he was showboating Neymar this time. And Neymar didn't like it because Neymar got yeah. from his own medicine. Probably you saw, you saw it. But he looks like a proper entertaining player. But my question to you is, how good can he get? Because he looks amazing, in, at least in highlights. Yeah, no, no, he is. He, not, just, not just in the little clips that you can see there and there on the technical skills. Or He is amazing. The, the amazing story about it is that he was part of the Lyon Academy, uh, who is one of the best, obviously, in, in Europe. And... They just didn't really believe in him for the first team in the sense that they said to, they kept saying to him, wait, wait for your chance is going to come, wait. And he was bored of waiting because he knew that he was good enough already two years ago to play for the first team. Not every single minute of every single game, but he was clearly already good. I mean, he was smashing goals for fun in, with the reserve and the under-19s, with France under-19s, in the big competitions and all of that. And he was like, why are you not playing me? And they said, well, you know, we've got all those players already ahead of you in the... And he was like, I've had enough. So they sold him to Nice for 8 million, which was one of the worst. I know they've got a, a percentage on the sale. But it's crazy. When you see how good he's been, he's already on double-digit goals and assists this season and last season. He's an incredible talent where he's going to go so, so far, so high. There's just no doubt about it. And the best thing is that he's off the field, as good as on the field in the sense that his, his hobby is uh, building IKEA furniture. That's what he says. So, <laughs> you know, he's not going to be out partying, smoking, drinking. He builds furniture from IKEA. That's what he does. So, and I, I really, I, we all, I mean, not just me, but I think as a country, there's a big hopes for, for him in the future. Amin Gouri, G-O-U-I-R-I. If you want to look him up on YouTube, you'll find yeah. some pretty special clips. I'm just enjoying Neymar shoving him after... Yeah. His showboating rainbow flick, as you, as you say, a little bit of Neymar's own medicine. Lamberta, back out there. kind mm. of thing, yeah. Mm. Crikey. Anyway, right, a uh, nice one. 
Alvaro. Very good. We haven't mentioned uh, Barcelona, apart from saying that they're going to be playing Galatasaray. Their uh, excellent form under Xavi continued this weekend. They got a 2-1 win over Elche. All looking good there, Alvaro. It's looking good, even though this time they needed to to fight uh, in order to get the remontada, because Elche mm. scored first, then Barcelona in the second half, they managed to turn the situation around. I think that uh, it was, again, uh, a display of power by Barcelona in the sense that uh, if uh, now, if they cannot win with whatever they have on the pitch, they resort to the bench and they are bringing uh, some serious power onto the pitch again, which is something that they couldn't do in the first half of the season. But, for example, Memphis came on to play the second half and we know that Memphis on his day is a very good player and, in fact, he scored against uh, Elche, probably one of the best penalties I've seen this year. Depay, Depay, goal, 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 Basically, he took one step back and he smashed the ball into the top corner. You have to watch it because he's unstoppable. You know, sometimes we don't think that penalties can be golazos, that they can be beautiful goals. I mean, he took it with such a confidence, but yes, the good thing about Barcelona is that from the bench, uh, Xavi was able to bring some talent onto the pitch and uh, they changed the game completely. I like the intelligent balls at the back of uh, the defenders. Uh, Frankie de Jong did a lot of disruptive uh, runs. Uh, he got a very good chance that he missed, but at least he got himself there. And I think that, uh, you know, Barcelona is in a good position right now because they are getting a lot of confidence uh, by winning games. And this is mm. the best possible way. It's not somebody telling them how good you are, you have to play very well. No, no, no. Right now, they are getting the wins and therefore they feel strong. And, uh, you know, uh, it is very promising, um, I think, what's coming up next for Barcelona. Because I think that they can still fight for the second position in La Liga. Maybe they can get a good result at the Santiago Bernabeu, which could be like uh, saying, here we are again. And then in the Europa League, Probably the sky is the limit in the sense okay. that they are better than Galatasaray, then they, they, there will be or they will be in the next round. And I think that they will be dangerous, yes. How many points between them and Sevilla? Because they've moved up to third in the meantime. It's a seven-point difference, but Barcelona okay. has a game in hand. Ah, interesting. All right. Yes. Of course, if it's tight, end of seasons you're after, you can't say fairer than Syria, where the leaders changed hands three times. In the past 10 days or so, it was Napoli last Sunday, then Inter took over the top. Now it's Milan who are in first place after beating Napoli Sunday night. Milan, who are not altogether always convincing, have now managed to defeat both Inter and Napoli in the space of a month with Olivier Giroud, Jules, doing the damage. It is Such amazing. An intelligent goal, James. Didn't it like the way I mean Calabria was clearly shooting, but he was alert and you know, yeah. not on his heel on his toes and finished well. A was bit it like his... the goal he scored in the derby? Yeah, was it the goal was it the, the leg that had had a, a bit knocked out of it as well? Was it the the, the leg that got I think he's the right hand call that that was bleeding on the Koulibaly challenge and he scored with yeah. the left I think, but maybe All we right. need to check. Okay, anyway, there you go. Milan top. But 10 games to go, and they are, what, two points above Inter and three of Napoli. So a ways to go as they chase their first Scudetto since 2011. What do you think, James? Was this a decisive chapter in the uh, title race, at least perhaps from Napoli's point of view? Well, Spalletti had said before the game that uh, we'll either be quickly forgotten or remembered forever. And it was Mm. actually quite sad to hear 
Lorenzo and Senior kind of pick up on that after the game and said, we will be quickly forgotten. Uh, Did he say that? Yeah, yeah, they were pretty disconsolate, as you can imagine. Yeah, from the euphoria of winning late last week against Lazio, where all of a sudden that belief in Napoli winning the Scudetto surged. This really brought them back down to earth. I thought Milan were the better side. I thought Pioli got his tactics spot on, playing a 4-3-3, 4-1-4-1 for the first time this season. Benesse and Kessie, uh, a little bit higher than they've been playing. And then Giroud has been deciding the big games for them. You know, Jules mentioned uh, his two goals in the comeback against Inter in the Derby della Madonnina, scored against Roma. And, you know, if this season were to come down to games against the top six, uh, Milan have got the best record of any team. Uh, what's let them down has been their performances. I say performances, their results. Uh, against teams in the bottom half of the table. Your Spezias, your Salernitanas. Um, yeah, some, some refereeing has left let them down uh, on occasion. But I think they've got a very good balance, Milan, of players who are young, start of their careers, who've got no fear. Teo Hernandez has played for Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid. So he's got yeah, a very good pedigree of playing under pressure for big clubs at his age. Leal just doesn't seem to care what he's playing. He's just got fantastic kind of carefree nature about him and then you've got these guys like Giroud who've been there done it won World Cups won European trophies Zlatan who can come off the bench and play two minutes for the first time in two months doesn't really matter whether he plays or not because Milan just um, get the job done but I think if they win the title James it will ultimately come down to whether they can put away these teams in the bottom half of the table right among the many stars on display Sunday night in Naples if Fikayo Tomori as well. Uh, well, Tamori was outstanding against Osimhen, one of the most talked about and hyped strikers. Be remiss not to mention his uh, centre-back partner as well, Pierre Kalulu. Kalulu, who was signed by yeah, Milan's chief scout, ex-Monaco, as were a lot of these players. Yeah, Maldini and Masada get all the credit, but um, Joffrey Moncada has done phenomenal work uh, for, for Milan. And Kalulu, I mean, to get him for nothing, I mean, I think Leon were pretty annoyed. <laughs> it's, a Guiri, it's, a, it's a Guiri type of signing again, to be fair. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so he was, he was great. And I, I think one of the interesting aspects to that is, you know, Milan have, uh, since the January transfer window closed, they've had more talks with Sven Botman's uh, representatives and agents. Um, and I think there's, there's still a desire to do a deal for him. But if they didn't, it wouldn't be the end of the world, I don't think, because Kalulu has been fantastic. And I think Tomori, best English centre-back at the moment, on four. Meanwhile, his kind of fellow growing up on the streets of playgrounds of South London buddy, uh, Tammy Abraham, also in Syria. I guess you could make a case that he's the best English striker at the moment. Certainly that's what the numbers say. Isn't that right, James? After he reached 20 goals for this season... Sunday for, well, actually this weekend for Roma. Yeah, and it could have been more. I mean, you think of that middle section or the kind of autumn winter when he was so unlucky. You know, he hit the woodwork so many times, you know, kind of goals called off for offside. And he's had a great first season. Um, yeah, to be in tw- 20 goals in all competitions in a new country, new club where his strike partners often changed. You know, they have settled on it being Zaniolo when Zaniolo is not suspended or injured. Mm. But, you know, before it was Mikitayan, it's been 
Shomurodov as well. Yeah, that's that's not easy really, and it's that is a very difficult place to go and play your football. Uh, I'm not just talking about Serie A. I'm talking about Rome. The pressure, and he's taken it all in his stride. He seems to just love playing for that team. And so, yeah, I mean, in terms of goals scored, yeah, he's 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 definitely up there. I mean, Kane has put in some masterclass performances in mm. recent weeks. You know, you think about yeah, well. the, the City game and the Leeds game. But uh, again, yeah, Tammy should be absolutely at the forefront of Gareth Southgate's thoughts for his uh, his next squad. I'm, I'm trying to remember as well, the, the goal this weekend settling uh, Roma's pretty massive uh, in terms of importance victory over Atalanta their rivals for a potential top four uh, spot this victory coming as their previous one had with uh, Jose Mourinho sat on the coach watching uh, on his laptop because he was suspended but I I was trying to remember the the last time that an English player had reached those kind of goal numbers I I can't think of a striker an English striker certainly having that kind of impact no I mean even in the heyday in the 80s and 90s you know I mean yeah the, the, the only kind of Top English striker to go out there was was Mark Hately, wasn't it? With with Milan, I mean, Alan Shearer, I think, had an opportunity to go to Juventus and, and didn't go um, at a time when, yeah, you know, the likes of Batistuta and uh, 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 it was in his pomp. Cranjosi mm. um, yeah, wanted I mean, to sign Michael Owen with other people's pension money, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> but I mean, even if you go back to the kind of sixties and seventies, I mean, Jimmy Greaves didn't mm. stick around long enough at Milan to. To really uh, carry on the goals, goal scoring record that he had, mm. um, Dennis Law, yeah, the the same uh, at Torino. Though Dennis Law is Scottish, of course. So, so now, I mean, you're probably going to have to go back to the kind of pre Serie A beginning of the beginning of the 20th century. You know, when there were James Richardson Spenceleys kicking about and William Garbutts and Herbert Kilpins. Yeah, so. John Charles would be the, the, the goal scoring, the British goal scoring giant. Oh, the British, the, yeah. Yeah, but in English terms, certainly. Yeah, remarkable stuff. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I gentle giant, you know, both mm. Tammy and, and John Charles. Mm. So, yeah. Nice, nice. Although Tammy did, uh, 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 <laughs> in the game, you may have seen this... Um, he accidentally trod on Mary Demiral, um, the Atalanta centre back, and you know Giroud's gash was the worst uh, gash of the of the yeah. weekend. But um, uh, Demiral's Demiral had a few of Tammy's studs left on his on his ankle after after the game on mm. on uh, Saturday night. It was the worst looking tackle since that Joaquin photo, probably. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, next up for Roma. What have we got as they continue to chase some just chunk? Vitessa, oh, in the, in oh the yeah, Vitessa on the in the Conference League, but in terms of the top four race, six points behind Juventus. Do they have a game in hand? No, no, they haven't. But Atalanta do. Atalanta are also six points behind Juve, and they do have a game in hand. There's uh, life left in that one. Lazio also just a point behind Roma. So yeah, all right. Well, plenty of questions still to be resolved then. As we head into final third, final quarter of the season around Europe. That wraps it up for today's Totally Football Show, though. A hearty thanks for having joined us, listener. Hope you've enjoyed it. We'll uh, we'll be back uh, with further tales of the continent next Tuesday. So do join us for that. For now, from myself, Valvaro, James, Julian, Christoph, producer Charlie, it's goodbye. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app, 
and discover bonus content by following the Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Find out the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an Athletic Media Company production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic.